Welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your routine. I'm John Corrales here with a special series for you. This week and next week, it's a deep dive into the Brad Stevens coaching era. If you remember, if you're a regular listener, back when the pandemic shut down the NBA, Mike Dynan, Chuck McKenney, and I took turns talking about the entirety of Boston Celtics history from day one, from the formation of the team, getting us all the way into the Brad Stevens era. Well, now we're basically going to finish that. And now that Brad Stevens has moved upstairs, we're going to take a deep dive, seven episode deep dive into that Brad Stevens coaching era. So that's going to start today, four shows this week, three shows next week. And then media day comes up on that following Monday Next season is right around the corner. So I hope you enjoy this deep dive into the Brad Stevens coaching era. All right, guys, this is great. The old Reds Army team, RIP Reds Army, the the fellas here going back through the Brad Stevens era. So let's let's go back to July 3rd, 2013, uh, eight years ago. I can't really remember eight days ago, but we're going to go back to eight years ago. And uh, that that initial shock, uh, I remember, I do remember I was working at NBC in New York at the time. And I'm sitting there in the newsroom and someone looks at me because they knew I do. I, I was all into the, the Boston Celtics. And they said, oh, you guys hired Brad Stevens. I said, what? Who? Huh? Completely shocking. Completely out of nowhere. Danny Ainge hires Brad Stevens, and oh, by the way, a week later, trades Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Welcome to Boston, Brad Stevens. There go two superstars out the door, uh, ready for the rebuild. So let's let's go to, let's go start with Chuck. What was your memory there, that first moment of Brad Stevens getting hired? Yeah, no, I mean, like you, I was just stunned, right, because um, his name was um, – there was no speculation that he would be brought on. There was no speculation. Um, I don't recall much speculation about a lot of coaches or if any, and Stevens even being in the mix. So sometimes you say, okay, you're hearing a few names and, and maybe there's one that you don't think will, will make it. And he does make the cut. That's surprising. I mean, Stevens literally came out of left field. And I think for me, you know, I'm not the biggest NCAA fan, um, but I knew enough that, you know, Stevens had success. But, you know, one, he was a college coach. Two, he was from a small program. Granted, they had had some, some, some success. He just didn't seem like, you know, we, we'd come off, I don't know how many years, seven years of big names of Doc Rivers, Paul Pierce, 
Kevin Garnett. Um, you know, the Celtics were 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 prominent. And I know that the pendulum was shifting and the rebuild was starting, but I think that just added to the sort of um shock value, you know, Stevens that that it was Stevens, like holy shit, we're rebuilding and we're doing it with this sort of mild mannered, um, inexperienced college coach who it just didn't give me much confidence. So I, I, I don't know. I think it was a combination of everything that sort of influenced, you know, why I wasn't super high on Stevens. And I'm sure at the time um, I, you know, was highly critical of, of <laughs> but, you know, it was just kind of, it was shocking. And I, and I, I just, and I felt like it just was the opposite of what we had kind of ex- had experienced um, over the past seven years. And, and I just had a hard time coping with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know after, after Doc Rivers comes in and basically gets traded to the Clippers, right? Um, there's, there's a lot of animosity about Doc bailing because I remember at the time it was, you know, Doc had recently said, you know, I want to stick through this. I want to, I want to be a part of this. And then, you know, he'd signed an extension and then all of a sudden, Mike, you know, Doc's out and this college coach. Now, you know, if you watch the Final Four, you remember the Butler teams and, and the Gordon Hayward, you know, nearly nearly hitting that shot uh, to beat Duke. But um, it's, it's still, you knew a college coach coming in with that, you know, no real, no real fanfare at all. There, there was, you know, that, like Chuck said, there's that initial like, oh boy, this guy, this guy is here to to march us to the bottom. Well, you know, um, my first thought was it's kind of a low key tanking move by Danny because uh, college coaches coming into the NBA, not many of them had had success up to that point. Uh, you could probably just name on you know count on one hand. Uh, how many of them had actually done anything good, uh, succeeded in any way. And um, I figured at least for one year, they're going to have a running curve. And if they lose, Celtics lose, so be it. Because uh, we had no expectations and we knew the roster was going to be turned over and lots of players were going to be coming through. And that's what happened um, when I thought about it after that. It's kind of like the Alonzo Mourning gift on Twitter, you know. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Because uh, uh, Brad had had uh, success with small, small school teams. He got the best out of his players. And that proved to be true when he came to because he got, uh, you know, to name the most famous player, Jordan Crawford, the player of the week. I mean, he got, he got <laughs> Jordan Crawford. He got um, the, the lesser known players to overachieve. And when he did that, he did that for his whole career mostly, and then with the Celtics until the last couple of years, and that stopped happening. And that's when the team started to decline. But that was my take at the time. He was, he was a surprise, yeah, because we never see what was going But um, in the end, it was a good reason to hire him. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think people quickly kind of saw the vision. And you hear the stories, you know, looking back on it that, you know, uh, Denny Ainge was at, at that game. And he said something, I forget who he was with, or he was with one of the owners or, or, or somebody else with the Celtics. And they're at that game and, and somebody, you know, he says, you know, we're looking at the best coach in college basketball right now. And someone says, oh, yeah, Coach Ken. He goes, no, Brad Stevens. And, and that's, that was his kind of obsession. Like he had an obsession with Brad Stevens and you don't realize it because, you know, at the time no one was really paying attention to him, but his jump to the NBA was imminent. He was about to make that jump to the NBA and it was, it was now looking back on it. We didn't know at the time that, that it was imminent, but somebody was going to hire Brad Stevens. He was going to make that leap into the NBA. And so Danny Ainge kind of jumped at it and said, you're going to be our guy. And I think hiring him to kind of oversee the rebuild allowed them to, hey, you're going to build with the team. I, I said at the time, you know, if you're going to do, if you're going to hire this guy out of college, this is the time to do it. You don't hire the guy out of college to take your team to the next level. You hire the guy out of college to grow with your team and, you know, whatever draft picks you get, they're going to grow with him. And then hopefully that relationship is what's going to carry the team moving forward. And and we did see, I think some of that over the course of time, but that first season was uh, a bit of a, a mess. It was his worst season Obviously, they had just traded Pearson Garnett, like I said. He goes 25-57 and 57 in the 2013-14 season. Uh, it, the only time that he uh, won less than 40 games up until this past season, which was a, a shortened season. So we didn't, we didn't get the full, the full 82 to see if he could have made it through uh, past 40. But that first season, I still think we saw that promise in in Stevens I thought that first season was I don't want to say it was a good season but when we saw hey 25 wins to get that team to 25 wins I thought hey this this guy might not be so bad we're going to continue the conversation after I tell you about our sponsors if you have excessive perspiration then you need to try sweat block it's a handy wipe that you can apply you take a shower you wipe this wherever your problem area is and then you go to bed and in the morning you wash it off and then it can work for up to seven days. A doctor created that to solve his own excessive perspiration problem. It worked for him, it can work for you. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. If it doesn't work for you, they have a dry shirt guarantee. That means you will get your money back. So no risk to try it. Google it, try it, check it out. Rachel Ray tried it out on their show with firefighters. They applied it, went into burning buildings, did their job, came out, shirts were dry. This is your little secret to confidence. You can wear whatever you want to wear and not worry about it. So whatever you need it for, a presentation, first day in the job, new date, whatever, check it out. Go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off. Go to Amazon. Read the reviews. 13,000 reviews. It's been a, a bestseller there for 10 years. So check them out. 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on. 
Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, then you're watching the highlights on your phone, and your neighbor's best friend's login gets you the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Make sure you're following our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. You know, I'm far from a basketball historian, but you know, you you just said that you felt like Stevens was was primed to be hired um, to the NBA. But how many coaches? I mean, I think we're used to the John Calipari's, we're used to the Rick Pitino's. We're used to the bigger name coaches, kind of like the, you know, they're more of a machine. Um, you know, they run the program. Um, then they come into the NBA and they assume, you know, total control of um, a franchise, although we've seen that kind of uh, fade away. I'm trying to think there was that coach from uh, Iowa State, I think, um, who also went to the Bulls. Um, he, he wasn't a big name, but. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but but I feel like Steve. You know, when was the last time an NBA team hired a coach like Stevens? Who you know, because I always thought his logical jump would be to Indiana, and then from Indiana you go to the NBA. Like, when was the last team to hire a coach who was? And I I don't want to, you know, he. I want to say he was obscure. He had been to two Final Fours and championship game. He wasn't like an obscure name, but I still felt like it was surprising. You know, I'm thinking of like Cleveland bringing in David Blatt. Like, you know, Stevens was in that category. I, I don't, I don't think many NBA insiders really expected that. No, I, I, I it was super quiet. No one had any leaks. No one had any foresight and said, "Hey." The, the, the fact that Brad Stevens was going to get hired that season came out well after the fact. You know, th- this was two, three years into his career. You talk to him and, and you hear the stories coming out that, hey, someone was going to jump on Stevens. If it was not that summer, it was going to be the season after because, because he, uh, what he was doing with Butler. And it's Butler, not you know, not Duke, not North Carolina, not Indiana. And, and if, if it wasn't for the NBA, then maybe he would have gone that route, Chuck. But I think that uh, the, his ability to kind of get the most out of these, these young guys to, to recruit and get high level players to recognize these guys and their strengths into, into play to their strengths. That was the early kind of, that 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 sign that Stevens was going to get something out of most players uh, because he gets Gordon Hayward, the tennis player, 
to come over and and focus more on basketball and, and all of that. Uh, he he sees what the players do best and what made Brad so desirable there and what made him so good so early, especially, was I know you with the ball in your hands, like Evan Turner, I'm going to put the ball in your hands. People try to pigeonhole guys and say, hey, you're a player that needs to, because of your size and your build and all of that stuff, you need to be this. And Brad Stevens would say, no, these are your skills. We're just going to play to your skills and I'll figure out the rest, how to, how to work it around you. And and that's how we ended up getting most of the guys. And that's why he was eventually so sought after. Chuck, um, the guys you named, they all flamed out in the NBA. So, yeah, that's why we were concerned. We didn't know really what to expect from a college coach. But um, it was only right away uh, we got a pretty good sense of uh, maybe Brad was going to be good. And maybe Danny did know what he was doing by hiring him. Because you all remember, you both remember the the game-winning shot that Jeff Green hit in Miami. That was the seventh game of uh, Brad coaching in Boston where the Celtics were down two. There was six-tenths of a second left, and he had a timeout. He called it. He inbounded from half court, and he set, they set a back screen or something, and Jeff's screen was open all the way in the far corner. And they got the ball to him, and he drained the three-pointer at the buzzer. And it was like, it was like oh, my God, we won the Super Bowl, or we won the final. <laughs> it was out of the blue. And uh, very unexpected, of course, and uh, but it, it did start to give him a reputation as a coach who could think on his feet and make adjustments, and he became the god of the after time outplay. Yeah. So I, I don't think it was uh, – I think it was pretty quick that we started to feel comfortable with him. Yeah, so uh, Tim Floyd is that coach from uh, Iowa State yeah. who ended up going to Chicago. I just looked him up. But, right. but yeah, so I think – I think you're, you know, you guys are both right. So we, 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 we saw throughout the first couple of years, um, Stevens had this ability to identify player strengths and then kind of like plugging them in the right spots within a team to kind of make them somewhat successful. I mean, the first two years were still pretty rough, but you're right. We would, we, we, we would see it with guys like Jordan Crawford and later Evan Turner. Um, so that was, you know, one thing. And then there was the, after the timeouts, I think he started to develop his reputation, um, of being a good, uh, X, X and O guy scheming these after timeout plays. So I think we started to see what his, um, his talent was. And, um, and then by that third season, or maybe it was the fourth season, um, you know, he started to overachieve, right? There were teams that he was, I think it was the third season they won 48 games, right? I'd have to check that super. Yeah. Yeah. But and then we started to say, okay, well now he's overachieving. And that's a sign of a you know really good coach. So that was another sort of period where, you know, um where we could see results from you know what, what Stevens was doing. So I think you could you could you know, I think we came around, but there's still this sort of like gap between all right. We're starting to buy into Stevens um, and then thinking we're any step closer 
to a championship, right? I mean, the players that were coming in the first couple of years, it was still sort of like, you know, I, they just, you know, they, they, I think if you follow the NBA enough, you know that going from uh, a crappy 20-win team to a scrappy 40-win team, a lot of teams do that. A lot of teams not named Sacramento do that, right? But but to get from that 40, 45-win team to that 60-win team to be a legit contender, that's where, you know, that's where the gap is. So I felt like, you know, we, we, we realized that Stevens, you know, we weren't going to be the Kings. You know, we could, we could be um, not terrible. At least that was, what you know, my perspective. And then, you know, there were lots of other things that had happened once – you know, Al Horford came here and stuff. But that's how I feel like we evolved as a fan base around Stevens. We're like, okay, starting to see his strengths. You know, he can do this, right? We're starting to overachieve. You know, unless you're a talk show host on 98.5 or WEI, <laughs> um, you know, then you'd be hooting and hollering. But, but that's how I kind of viewed it. I think that that was, you know, I think it was you, – you were, you were just watching it unfold, his skills and his strengths. Right, right. Growing with the team. That's the whole thing. Back to wrap up today's show in just a minute. First, got to tell you about today's sponsors. Whatever you need for your car, truck, camper, RV, motorcycle, get it at rockauto.com. No matter how complicated, no matter how simple, go to rockauto.com, enter in your vehicle's information, and then cruise through a very easy to navigate website that gets you the best prices on anything you need. Seriously, if it's an engine part, check them out. If you need wipers, floor mats, whatever, check them out. They're going to save you a ton of money. I've talked to plenty of people who have saved hundreds of dollars using rockauto.com. Don't bother with the chain stores. Don't bother with the dealerships. It's a waste of time to go over there and you know that you're not going to carry everything that you need. So check out rockauto.com. They've been doing this for over 20 years, serving do-it-yourselfers. So it's worth the time to check them out. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? That's how they know we sent you. It's an amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. The Locked On Celtics podcast is on YouTube now, so make sure you're subscribed to that if you want to watch the show. The first season is is largely the you're planting the seeds here for you know, some some level of that that what you're just talking about the overachievement there this is a team this is the year they sent Keith Bogans home right this is the year that you know you, you need to go away like they they were really this was this Brad Brandon Bass is still on this team right like this it feels like Brandon Bass played forever ago uh, but they, Vitor Favarani was was their center. Uh, so, <laughs> Chris Humphreys. The, the names on this team here. This th- there were a lot of players on this team. Uh, Gerald Wallace. Gerald Gerald Wallace became the inbounder. He was the guy that threw all the inbounds play uh, inbounds passes for the these ATOs. He he was the designated inbounder for a lot of these, uh, which goes to show like this was another thing like. It all added up to the this this aura that started to build with with Stevens. 
he was getting guys to play somewhat well that hadn't played well. He was getting these after timeout plays and, and he would do things like you would, you would get the Gerald Wallace, you know, who, who was washed at the time, but there he is throwing inbounds passes and, and becoming the inbounds passer. So it's almost like the, uh, the designated pitcher when you're playing uh, baseball in the yard, when you were kids, he was the designated inbounder. And he, all of these little things added up to, you know, it, the, the common the common denominator here, all the arrows pointed back to Brad Stevens, figuring this stuff out. So if we look at anything from this first season, obviously not many wins, only 25 wins, but we're planting the seed for the next season where the Celtics really start to overachieve. And, and this is the year they get Isaiah Thomas. And so Brad Stevens, this, I'll put it this way. I wonder how much of Brad Stevens' aura here was because of Isaiah Thomas. Did Isaiah Thomas succeed because Brad Stevens was doing all of the stuff that I said before? Say, hey, this is your, this is what you do best. I'm going to let you shine. They they kind of helped each other in a, in, a, in a sense, and as. Isaiah Thomas, the legend of Isaiah Thomas grew, so did the legend of Brad Stevens. Yeah, that was also the year that um, his second year, they drafted Marcus Smart. And right. uh, they drafted James Young, too, but we won't talk about him. Uh, Marcus Smart, though, came in and uh, <clears throat> that started a, a string of playoff appearances. They made the playoffs every year that Smart has been with them. And um, they did make a lot of trades that season. Uh, Jeff Kahn, uh they had guys come in there for a few weeks or a couple of weeks, and then they were gone too, like Brandon Wright. <laughs> he, uh, when we did this the first time, we had the list of Danny Ainge's um, transactions, and it's like like a phone book. He That's made right. So many trades. And this was this one particular season that, the uh, 2014 15 season. He probably made more trades then than ever. Uh, but as far as Isaiah goes, I would give him most of the credit. Uh, Brad put him in a position to, to uh, succeed, but it was Isaiah that forced Brad to put him into the starting lineup? Isaiah that forced Brad to play him as much as he did. Um, Isaiah just, you know, became. He came out of nowhere, and he became a folk hero in Boston. And uh, back to Smart for a second. We we like to say that we love him and we trust him, but um, <laughs> nobody was loved more than Isaiah Thomas, and we trusted him for sure. Uh, we'd still like some of us would still like to see him come back. <laughs> plenty, plenty of people would. Yes. Well, so. I guess as we try to evaluate Brad Stevens, this is this is what happens when we when we evaluate head coaches, isn't it? If the players are good, then the coach is good, right? If the players if the players stink, then the coach stinks because he can't he can't make the players better. Um, Isaiah Thomas, the, there was clearly something he 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 was shining in Boston unlike he's shown anywhere else, right? He never got that opportunity. And and maybe 
maybe yes, he did force his way into the starting lineup. But at the same time, Brad Stevens did make the call to say, hey, you know what? We're not going to bring this guy off the bench like like he normally has. And like many of us argued for, like here was a, a guy who was, you know, 5'11 or whatever, less than that, and career bench guy. And here he, here he is. He comes in. He's thriving off the bench. And people like me, I know I made the argument, like he, this works. Don't mess with it. Don't – part of this – is, is probably because he's going up against second units. Let's not mess with this. But Stevens and, and like Isaiah Thomas forced his way into that. But also Stevens kind of made it, made it so, you know, he, he, he bought into it as well. So it's, it's almost like a chicken and egg kind of thing, right? It's, a, it's kind of a – did Isaiah – did I, is this more Isaiah? Is it more, is it more Brad? I don't know. I kind of, I kind of want to say it's, I always skew towards the players. So I, I do want to say it's, it's mostly Isaiah. Um, but you cannot deny Chuck that, that Brad did have an influence that like he was just saying, Hey, you know what? We're going to roll with this. I'm not, again, I'm not going to pigeonhole this guy into a role that I think he should, he should continue or be in he's going to uh, i'm going to make it so he's comfortable doing whatever he whatever he's doing and i'm gonna i'm gonna adjust to him that's part one we still have six more to go we're going to continue that conversation about isaiah thomas and ask the question if it wasn't for isaiah thomas how is brad stevens perceived as a coach right now That's coming up tomorrow, so make sure you're subscribed to get the rest of this series. And again, that's seven episodes. This was part one, six more coming, and then I'm back to get into the beginning of next season. It's wild. So please subscribe, whether it's listening on the podcast or on YouTube. Please check it out and share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.